Yes. But yes, I, yeah, yes. when I was inside a, a large disco ball, uh, the the stars at night had turned into uh, an normal, an enormous disco ball that I was inside of. Mm-hmm. And then God came and talked to me, and said, uh, "Chill the fuck out. Like you can totally calm down a lot. Your extra stress that you put on yourself, nobody's paying attention." Like, I'm not even paying attention. He, like, high-fived me. He's like, it's cool, girl. Like, everything's cool. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, dude, yeah! You know, because I was in San Diego at the time, and I was, like, 19. And it was it was great. So I had a personal experience with God, and he was like a man, and he was in flowing robes, and he did come down and high-five me, like, sort of like cool Jesus, like, like Buddy Christ, like... It was kind of like that, except he had gray, white, long white hair. Oh, yeah. He's old as, he's old as hell. Yeah. Excuse me. But no wrinkles. No wrinkles. Oh, no, yeah. No, he came down. He was like a majestic, like, I don't want to say Charlton Heston-esque, but like he had flowing hair and robes, and he came down, and he was like, it's cool. Chill out. So it could have been a guy from the beach that I just like right. misinterpreted because I was on so much acid for the first time. Could have been Matt Gubzer as well. Yeah, could have been Matt Gubzer. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was on a roast battle with him, um, and but he he didn't end up showing up, and so I have now. I just in my phone, I have like ten Matt Gubzer <laughs> jokes. Um, but yeah, and that's how it, that's how it works too, because like uh, with all the uh, yeah. Uh, um, oh, to connect that back to religion roasting, uh, burning at the stake. There we go. Now Ooh, we're back. Sweet. Yeah. Now we're back. You're a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're so clever, though. You are the best. You hosted Happy Hour a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was just tickled at how you, every single person, you had a great... You're just so quick. Like, you, you're so quick. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, even the people that weren't there um, that are now banned. <laughs> yeah, because you Because you pre-signed. But yeah, uh, oh no, it's just my favorite. Uh, it's just my favorite thing. Um, it's something that... Uh, it's something that I've done with my friends, like, all the time. Where does it come from? Why are you so good at making fun of people? But in a way that doesn't make them feel like shit. Like, where did you learn this like this charming skill well it's just uh when when i was in went from middle school to high school um i i went to i was i went to a middle school where nobody from my middle school went to the high school very very except for my brother and maybe one other friend um and it was a bigger high school than uh, i went to a very small catholic middle school Mm. um that had like just opened so we had like a new principal every year it was kind of like the defense against the dark arts teacher you know just kind of dies out every year um but yeah and then uh then when i got into high school i just said every joke that popped into my head whether it was an insult or any kind of joke um and so for what reason though to get attention or because it was such a big school you wanted to do like you want to differentiate yourself? Because that's how I thought I made. F- that, that's how I thought you made friends. Was by being funny. Yeah, yeah, and so. But where did that come from? Why did you feel the need to be funny, and why did you rely on that even at such a young age? You're 14. You're just out of junior high. Because I, uh, I definitely like got a, a very interesting genetic roll of the dice around middle school because I was kind of I was kind of overweight. I had bad skin and I was on Accutane at the time, All right, yeah. which 
uh, is the 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 drug that uh, if girls get pregnant on it on the they, back of every pill yeah. it has a no babies. It's yeah. so great. My roommate was on it, and I used to save them because I was like, I want this for an art project. And you peel off the little thingy, and it's it's a little round nubbin, and it's a no pregnant with the, a dicker. The <laughs> most warnings you will ever see on anything it's were so for great. that. Yeah, the, the little anti-pregnancy with the real red thing and the slash. I used to just laugh and laugh. You had to peel those off every day. Yeah, yeah, and then it, uh, it's yeah, it's it's crazy, it's crazy. And then also the 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 really messed up thing was that um, it it was in like. Uh, um, the side effects were just as bad as having acne. Like wow. it got rid of the acne, but uh, my my lips were just like two ashtrays. Like they were just oh. so so dry. It made my joints hurt. Like all this stuff. Um, and then I also had uh, my current hair, but smaller and like tighter curls. Oh, so I had uh, yeah. And then what movie came out? Super bad. Oh so, wow. Super bad. And caused, you were a little portly, so they were calling you. They, ca- they were calling me Jonah Hill. Jonah and, Hill. Yeah. And, and he's very funny, so you became funny. Probably that's how. But mainly, mainly it was me trying to get on the same level as the the people that um, you know were cool in sure. in high school. And then that's kind of where I was throughout all of high school. I was just kind of the the popular kids court gesture. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. You were the fool. You were the Shakespearean fool. You were telling them the truth that they couldn't handle from other people. Right. And right. You were, but you were doing, cause you're like, look at my wacky hair. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could, I could make fun of them in a way that no one, I've realized I could make fun of them in ways that not other people could. Right. Um, sure. Like this one football player, very popular football player was, uh, um, making fun of um, this one kid for acting kind of, um, you know, let's yeah, acting gay, acting gay, sure. yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, and I just like looked at him straight in the eyes, and I was like, well, there's there's multiple kinds of gay people. There's the ones that are pretty obvious. Then there's the ones that you know play football, work out all the time, and make fun of other people for being gay. And I just like kept going and describing him. And then he kind of he kind of like started to turn his head, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm pushing this thing too far. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. But then, yeah, so that's, and then uh, in- Don't co- take down the king. Right, right. And then, and definitely in college, uh, my friends and I, we started doing um, uh, shows at my uh, my friend's house. Um, and, and these are your first comedy shows? Uh, were no, you doing stand-up, or were you just making fun of people in front of other people? Oh, no, this was, uh, yeah, so this was uh, just uh, two years ago, so I was doing okay. stand-up for a oh, little okay. bit. Okay, okay. Um, and then uh, we started doing these shows, and uh, during these shows, it was kind of more uh, laid back, so we would roast, and we would, like, do kind of crowd work because it was just in our house. Yeah. Um, and then um, one year, my friend did a roast for my birthday, and then we've done that uh, at least three or four times since then. So just a lot of practice writing roast jokes, and also recognizing that there's a format to a roast joke, ah. which, which is, uh, you look like this if this happened to them. Right. You know, like, uh, I use a lot of examples with myself. Like, I look like Seth Rogen mugged you and I'm the police sketch. Right. Like, right. right. Paul like that. Giamatti. That's what my boyfriend today remembered. He's like, yeah, Anthony Zuccaro, Paul Giamatti, and somebody had a baby. Right. But what's right. the joke? It's like, you actually say that you're 
Paul Giamatti and someone else's love child or something. Right, right, yeah. Um, and I, I have a lot of different... Uh, <laughs> you just switch or, it up. You're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Paul Giamatti and anybody. But, but that's <laughs> the, the beauty of a roast joke is t- saying an insult to someone that the audience hasn't really thought of yet, but then it's kind of like uh, when you're relating, like in regular stand-up, when you're just having a relatable joke where someone goes, oh, I do that. But sure. instead of that, you're trying to predict oh what do, what does the audience think about this person already wow yeah, yeah it's like a chess game you did a really good job of answering my question but going around the around it and then coming back to it so can i give you my thought of why i think you got into comedy in junior high sure, i don't know you sure. very well but i did meet your twin brother oh yeah yeah. Your fraternal that, twin brother, that's true. who looks really different than you do. Yeah, he's very was, attractive. Was man. he yeah. always blessed with um, the tallness and the model good looks and the? Oh yeah. Or was oh, yeah. he? So you're on Accutane and he's not. No braces. No braces. No, no glasses either. I also had bad vision since I was like 12. And all right. Then, yeah. So he uh, took all of the good did, genes. Yeah, I know. We're we're, we're twins, and he just <laughs> he just split it down. Not that you're bad genes. You have great genes. You're awesome. No, no, no. It's it's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He just like uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. He he got uh, just one big recessive, and then he he got you know everything. Um, but yeah, he got you know jaw, the natural uh, like yeah bone structure. His hair's even straight. Yeah, his hair's straight. <laughs> mine is not. Yeah, and um, yeah, just all the way down the line. He never he never really had to w- deal with acne. I mean, he had like the natural teenage amount, but yeah, he never. Like every once in a while, he get. But one, he, he didn't need you know a clinical trial medication for it. You know, <laughs> like I did. Um, and then that was also the messed up thing about like taking Accutane was that it would dry out my skin and then people were like, you know, would make, uh, you know, Lizard come on your jokes. face jokes yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got, mm-hmm. I got bullied for that. And then, sure. so basically I, um, I'm probably good at roasting out of necessity from getting verbally, you know, yeah. In that way. Assaulted from birth. See, I was, um, I was always taught that, um. People, uh, ugly people get personalities. Well, but I, I just was like, I don't mean it like that because I feel the same way. I'm like, thank God I have a personality. But when I was in junior high and high school, I was, I was portly and I was made fun of, and it was, I was never pretty enough. And now I look back and I'm like, I was a really pretty person. Like I wasn't an ugly person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't even believe that I had spent so much time like worrying about my physical appearance when I could have been making fun of other people and being clever but um like i just it's you get you you gain personality through that like through that mm-hmm. kind of experience of being bullied and then eventually you become a comedian i think that's yeah. just what ends up happening yeah no I, I think there's a very there's a very fine line between like a uh, comedian and like the uh the old kind of serial killer yeah. which is which is that <laughs> it's it's just it's just the if you if your childhood stopped right before the line of, you know, very dark, right? you know, there's sure. like a, there's like a, like serial killers, like, well, like a serial killer grows up and like kills female chefs because his mom beat him with a frying pan, you know, it connects right. sure, back sure, to sure, the childhood. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like the comedian version of that guy, his mom would just verbally abuse him <laughs> from the kitchen or something. Right. But yeah. So the, yeah, there's a very, there's a very fine line there. I feel like uh, if a comedian just had one more thing happen to them. If they had to, you know, under murder the a rat or, yeah. or like chop the head off a bird or like there's 
just, it would just right. take one like bloody incident, like yeah. of some kind, and then whoops, you took the turn to serial killer. <laughs> Tom Segura. Tom Segura has a great line where it's like comedians and serial killers are very similar in the way that if you see another comedian, you're like, I respect what you do. I don't do it the same way, but. Oh, game recognizes game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very true. Well, uh. the audience does. The one thing I do believe in with comedy that always I always have to remind myself because I can get down on myself in this comparative competitive thing that can happen right, with yeah. co- comedians. And it doesn't have to be that way if you have this mindset that the audience has an infinite ability to laugh mm. and you and I can do it totally differently. Therefore, there is no competition because really we should be collaboratively thinking about the whole night and trying to make the audience laugh in as many ways as possible. So as a booker, right, right. so as a booker, it takes it off. This is a person I think who's funny. This is a person I think who's funnier. It's not that. It's in what way are they going to make the audience laugh, and do I want that for this show? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then as a comedian, it becomes, well, how many different audiences and how can our material so that we don't get seen in just this one way? Like, I only know how to make the audience laugh this way. Or... You don't want to get pigeonholed, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think audiences um, think about how, because we're always worried about following someone that killed. Right. Um, but I don't think audiences see that as much as like, oh, this guy killed and now this this person is not as good. But they feel it a little bit, but it's not, I don't think it's as conscious as we worry about. Sure. Uh, but if there's, if there's, if someone kills... The person who's going next, I try to make sure that they're not exactly the same. For example, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put who's another roast person that I'd be like. I um, Clay does them a lot. Clay, I'm thinking like maybe like Charlie Spink. No, you guys are so different. He could do puns all day and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, like let's say that Clay Newman and then you. You guys kind of even look. You look a little yeah, similar. Yeah, that's, that's happened. Yeah. So you've got the kind of hair thing, and yeah. and there's you have kind of a similar energy. I wouldn't do that. I'd mm. switch it up and I'd put like a female there or, you know, I hate prop comics, but I don't yes, know. Like, but there's, but sometimes the audiences love prop I mean, and some audiences, maybe they don't like roast jokes. I'm sure that you've been in places where you're like doing your crowd work and you offend someone and oh, then they're yeah, pissed yeah. at you or. But the good thing is usually if I'm going at an audience member in that way, in that roasting way, the yeah. audience is also doesn't like them too because they've interrupted the show or something right right Uh, because it's a a heckle roast that's a great way to get out of heckling isn't it oh yeah that's the that's the only way i know how right right. yeah that happened at maggie and mcgarry's a little while ago i i have this joke about how uh the only the only time white men ever get police attention is if their wife goes missing that's the that's every, and those <laughs> or true if they're crime a serial shows. killer right yeah yeah um or uh, yeah you know the they took them on the the last life insurance policy cruise or something like that but yeah so i have that joke and i say so that you know my girlfriend if she ever gets in a tragic accident i'll have alibis ready because sometimes the girlfriend will get in a tragic accident and then the husband gets blamed still you know right. um and so i had then that i won't do the whole thing but it leads to me saying i'd be okay if my girlfriend died and then this woman shouts out in the audience she goes uh she she says i lost my daughter (laughs) and then yeah and everyone just kind of goes silent i'm like what are you doing here go find her Uh, (laughs) and then uh yeah but she had been yelling out before and she was also for some reason she was filming the open the maggie's open mic on a digital camera 
uh -huh. uh, which I which I made fun of her for. I said that's like painting a mural of a trash can. <laughs> it's like why are you filming an open mic on a digital camera? Um, and then she had a she had a fedora and like a cam or not a, a cheetah print vest. So I called her Carmen San Jose. I and, know who it is. Uh, I think. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Because she's sort of a comic, but not a comic, but she tries to. She's on Bacon a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I can. Yeah. I, well, I she, she she had a rough time that night. Um, and while the crowd. My daughter. While the crowd is dying um, from what, something I said, she kept on saying, like, uh, like uh, she kept on trying to speak. And I was like, you don't want to do this. You, you don't want to do this. And then, yeah. So basically, my I did like two extra minutes because That's uh, yeah austin was just like i gotta Rolling. keep this going yeah yeah um so that was that was the audience was like fuck her which is weird because i've never heard someone say like i lost my daughter and then get like <laughs> kind of booed and like groan you know like usually that's like a moving sentence <laughs> i made uh, someone cry once because i did a my my abortion joke made someone cry and she had to leave she had to leave wow. the spankies in um up in uh katari okay she had to leave the bar her friend they yelled and they were so upset and i was like i've never been so happy i made a person cry and leave with a joke wow wow i go. felt so powerful yeah yeah it's good yeah. It's it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So you're you're Which, a roast there's, master. There's there's another like serial killer thing. It's a good feeling that you made yeah, someone cry made someone and leave. Cry. Yeah, yeah. She was uh, in a dumb outfit too. It was Halloween and it oh, was like, go. come on. Uh, but my my way that I refute hecklers, I only have one way, and it's always the same. Mm -hmm. I don't get heckled very much because I don't know. I don't know why. I, I think don't. it's I think it's because there's nowhere in in your in your set there's nowhere there for them to really jump in because it's very <laughs> like you're very high energy and then on yeah. also and very confident as well because I feel like hecklers will jump in on the comedians that kind of have like a, a Ryan good case kind of like it's kind of like a little monotone a little low energy sure. which is fine I mean it works but they they feel like they can yell and overpower that kind of that kind of thing sure um, but uh, but then why do they want to that's the thing like well, yeah, that's what a, kind of that's weird attention story. are you yeah. trying to get that you go out to a comedy show and especially if you've paid for it mm -hmm. if it's in like a real venue or somewhere anywhere you've paid you know you go there knowing comedy's gonna be there mm -hmm. and then you engage and you know what comedy is and then you engage in a conversation with the person on stage it's like you're breaking the rules on purpose what the fuck are you doing like why what yeah. are you what are and you gonna I, get out of this it must be some kind of disconnect from that they yell at their tv screen and oh, so it's the netflix paradox yeah yeah they yell at their tv screen which is the only reason i watch jeopardy is to <laughs> yell at my tv screen but yeah the um and the i've seen it happen when i've been you know hanging out at Cobbs, and a comedian is up there and they're they're starting to do crowd work Cobbs? and uh not really heck like not really heckling per se but i've seen the the netflix thing where some uh someone will ask someone a question in the front row and then they'll just have this kind of blank stare on their face 
And then he, and then the, I've seen like Corey Holcomb was like, "There's no screen, motherfucker. I'm talking right to you. I can see you." Like, like. And then he went out and he like touched his hand. He was like, "I'm real, motherfucker. Like, I'm real." That's um, funny. And uh, but yeah, there's uh, live live performances. Since we're always looking at screens, there could be something that's happening where live performances they they you have the disconnect of they haven't the, been trained. Yeah, yeah. Um, they haven't. Been and I. Uh, I wonder, um, yeah, the the whole heckler thing is the same in the same category of my brain as people that talk during movies and um, that kind of. You're ruining it for everybody else. I just don't under, yeah, I just don't understand. You're ruining it, but people on the bus. There's a lot of times though that people. Okay, here's what I can equate it to. Um, people on the bus that feel the need to be on their phone speaking loudly and even sometimes leaving it on speakerphone. Oh, yeah. So it's on speakerphone, you're on the bus, and you're purposely speaking loudly. Now... You see that a lot with FaceTime as well. People just decide to FaceTime out in the world. The only thing I can think is that they are so disenfranchised and so not listened to in every other corner of their life that the only place that they can feel listened to is when they are on the bus and they force people into listening yeah. to their conversation. Uh, like, that's the only thing I can think of is that nobody ever listens to them. Mm-hmm. And so now they go to this place, may it be the bus, may it, maybe it's an open mic that at a place, an open mic, and they decide to film and heckle. Like, there's some, there's some other place in their life where they're, no one's where their opinions and what they say is not listened to and not important. So I have to take an empathetic view maybe of oh, I see. the yeah. heckler. Like, why would you do that? So whenever I get heckled, I just look at them and I say, can I ask you a question? And they usually say yes. And if it's a man, I ask if they're my dad. And if it's a woman, I ask if they're my mom and whatever they answer. I'm like, why don't you love me? Why did you <laughs> never love me? You do these people, they love me. And you don't. <laughs> And I kind of like, depending on how they react, I sort of like break down and get really like over the top emotional. And that makes everybody laugh Mm -hmm. because they're like, because I'm being so over the top ridiculous with it. Yeah. Or if they say yes, I'm like, then why don't you love me more? Like you never show it. (laughs) So I invited you. (laughs) You paid to be here and then I just can't. Mm -hmm. But either way I can take it into a track where it works and and it's the only thing i kind of had to come up with it because of the brainwash back in the day and just getting like i was so afraid of getting heckled and when it happened like there was a one time at a place called club 93 years ago and i, I don't know if chris riggins was running this who was running it but i was such a new comedian i was like in my first year and a half and i got up on stage there and it was an open mic but I couldn't remember a single joke. I just mm-hmm. completely blanked out and that never happened to me before. And I couldn't think of anything and I couldn't do crowd work and I couldn't do anything. And I stood there and I couldn't think of anything. And then I just was like, I'm sorry, I put the mic back. And then I went underneath the bar and I cried. I, I cried. I was like, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And people like came under the bar and they're like, it's okay. It has to happen sometime. It's mm. okay. It's good it happened here where it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> in the tenderloin where nobody's here. Right. It's 11 to 30 at night. None. This doesn't matter. Mm. But like they're, 
there, you've got to have it. After that, I was like, I always have to have an out. No matter what, there's got to be something I can think of. I don't know. Do you, do you have any, like, really traumatic things that happened in your first job? Well, it sounds like you were, you've been doing it since you were in junior high. Not, like, like open mics, but it sounds like you've been the comedian. Right, you've yeah, been socially throughout yeah. high school, for sure. Yeah, um, and then um, in my first... And my first try, like, starting out, I just had jokes that were just way, way more offensive than funny. And Ah. I I didn't know all of the stuff I was writing was really about those subjects. And I didn't know how to do it yet. Like, I wasn't talented enough to be able to get away with dancing around those topics like you have to do sometimes. Like cheesy dicks? What were you talking about? I was, you- I was talking about how um, when God uh, when God made Africa, he made it the same way that when I accidentally emailed my first draft to my professor instead of the final essay, and I had only worked on the intro. Because um, I was... and I, Yeah, and I, so I was basically saying that like... like he only worked on South Africa and then the rest, he just kind of, yeah. And so I'm saying that and people are just like, Jesus Christ, like what, <laughs> what kind of shit is this? And then, um, yeah. And I just had like a bunch of, a bunch of stuff like that. And, um, I was also, I was, uh, I was so nervous that I would just talk so quickly up there. I still kind of do that sometimes on accident. Um, and, um, the worst one was when, I uh, I brought a girl to an open mic, which is the classic Oof. mistake that I'm sure everyone's made. Do you um, want to date in the future? <laughs> yeah. And, is this the last uh, time you want to see her? Bring her to an open mic. Right, right. Um, and then it was um, it was brainwash, um, and I was number I think I was number fifteen, and so which was perfect. We went yeah. and we got uh, like something to eat and came back. But because it was the brainwash, my number 15 turned into like a 32 oh, yeah. from all these drop-ins. Sure, of course. Um, and no one knew me there. So I right. didn't, yeah, Tony had seen me like twice, but yeah. Uh, and so there was all these drop-ins. Bumped, 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 bumped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that uh, one was one of the uh, worst uh, sets I've ever done because it was just nervous. And You've uh, been there forever. You took her yeah. to get somewhere else, and now you're there. And, and now I'm, you, you I'm have feeling to that drinking. she wants to leave. Yeah, but it's not yet. I can, do you want to go? You can go, but I don't really want to yeah. leave my set. <laughs> I'm in the purgatory of, like, I'm within the next five, I right, think. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'm doing that very uncomfortable thing, which probably is uncomfortable for hosts, too, where the, the comics will do, like, the um, uh, the list, like, hover, the drive-by. Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Kind of uh, just... Uh, looking by. Yeah. yeah. Where am I on that list? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then make uh, make eye contact and just kind of just... Okay. I'm still here. Still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Let's get get me up there. Oh, uh-huh. I'll go ask. I always... um I grease the right wheels. I always bring pot food. So oh, if I have to, like... If I ever need anything, I just, like you know, float a little treat on by, and mm-hmm. then all, all will work in my favor. That's good. But it's That's bribery. Good. I mean, so you, so you, what happened in the set? Did you just bombed just well, horribly? Well, I did that, I did that Africa joke. Oh, more of yeah. it, more of it than I am remembering right now. There was like more to it. Um, Call Africa a country. That's always funny. There's a book called, <laughs> or no, yeah, Africa is not a country. It's a good little kid's book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That would be that would but that would be a way to bring that joke home, I guess. Like yeah, my was, ignorance is part of the joke. Right. Whatever. That's the only yeah. that's the only way that even remotely is okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um that was that was a rough one. There was another rough one around the same time where I brought 
um I didn't like bring a girl to the open mic. I just happened to see a friend while I was on my way there. Yeah. And then um and then I realized while she was sitting there that oh shit, I'm in this position again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Um, but this one was you? more improvised. And then I I got I I got up to do my set and then when I came back another comedian was sitting next to her and like hitting on her and did it so badly that I and I I know who he is. Uh but yeah, did it so badly that uh she just was not like not Receptive available yeah. to talking to people anymore. Yeah, yeah, she was done with comedians after like absolutely probably didn't yeah listen to my set. Horrible people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. she wasn't listening to your set because that comedian was chatting her up while she was probably trying to listen to your set. Right, right. Yeah, and um and thanks for that, Zane. And we've talked. We've, Zane and I have talked about this. This happened He's a long a time guy. ago. Um, but yeah, that, that that nose ring didn't help. Ah. <laughs> Uh, I should ask Zane how he manages to do coke with a nose ring. I don't. That's that, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I think it's that he has a real job and makes money. It's, it's oh, there you go. Ah, yeah, that's that's ah, the difference. That's how it works. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, and then there was another an, another awful. I've I had a lot of awful sets in my first two years, but you you really, but you're big now. Like so, for people that don't realize, um, Anthony recently opened up for Jen Kirkman at Cobb's. That's fucking huge. Like. She's a person in LA that has a really large following. She's written a couple of novels. Mm-hmm. She's a real famous person. And like, that's amazing. How did you, I mean, so, so when you're like, you know, I, I bummed at these open bikes, like, do you, you've sort of propelled, you're, you're doing it. You're, yeah, you're it a is. stand-up comic. Like, this is your, it's not your full-time job, but kinda. Almost get, getting there. Getting yeah, there. The, the, that's the that's the 2019 goal is to definitely get further along there. Start because uh, I just too too recently I started going to the punchline every Sunday. But I know I don't go either. Um, I'm so terrible. But yeah, that was mainly yeah uh, that was mainly like uh, school and job related back when I was at SF State. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, but yeah. So the yeah, it's it's crazy because the I got that um, the Jen Kirkman thing in a weird way because I was working at Cobb's as an usher and then uh-huh. uh, the opener was late and they were about to go on with no opener Oof. and so then I popped my head, uh, popped my head in and I was like, hey, I can um, I can do this and then my boss asked me if I had ten minutes so much that I started to second guess it myself. Oh like, no, you're like I, like I just did fifty, but you you easily have you have thirty. I've seen you do thirty. I've seen you do yeah. I've seen you do huge amounts of time. So I mean, I know that you can do it. Yeah, you know but he's the he, uh, he's great. He's the man, uh, the general manager at Cobb's. He's he's great. But yeah, the he was just so he just has to check like, like that. sink or swim, boy, sink or swim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then when I when I got called on like when I went on stage, uh, my uh, Austin, yeah. um, who runs the Maggie's mic, uh, he uh, was doing was supposed to turn up the lights, uh-huh. and he got so excited for me. <laughs> God bless his heart. He got so excited for me that he didn't turn up the lights by the time I got on there. So my first joke the at dark? the biggest show potentially, or the biggest show so far, is like, "Leave it in the dark. It's better that way. Like, just <laughs> it's better. It's better that way." And then he like frantically, you see him like turn up the lights. They go to like full and then back down a little bit. And I was like, "See, told you." Um, <laughs> That's so funny and then my other first you joke got was, big jokes from big laughs from that right yeah, yeah yeah and then my second joke was clap if i sat you because i had just sat the entire audience oh, as an usher so funny um and so yeah so i made it like i got the audience in on the fact w- of what was happening yeah um and then when then this year came around and then i was lucky enough to be able to do it again 
uh, with Natasha Muse, who's amazing. She's amazing. My, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. So funny. Um, we actually, we, um, in between, like, uh, after her, uh, Natasha's set, um, I, I got a little too crossfaded with her in the green room um and uh and i re- i forgot that i had to like go back on stage and say like a few things like the ending like this is what's happening at Cobb's next week oh that's so funny and so i was that was the most focused i've ever been on stage because i was we had been hitting the uh, the va- the vape pen and all that stuff uh but yeah it was great it was that was fantastic it's awesome um but yeah it's um my goal for 2019 is definitely, definitely do more roasts and go to go try to go to the punchline every Sunday. See what I can do to get up there. I was thinking about making the Sunday thing part of my New Year's resolution. I did it back in the day. I went every week for 52 weeks, and I did get up. And it was I, I shouldn't have done it so early. It was in my second year of comedy, mm-hmm. and I should have waited because now, I mean, I'd be fine. I could get 10 minutes anywhere, even seven. I know time better. Right. I know. Like I ran the light. I didn't know where the light was. It was so, but the thing is like, I did it back in the day of Jeff Samaria and then he passed it off to this other person. So all of my time went out the window and there was a new person and then they finally let me go up Yeah. and it was all weird. And then I was like, I had such a negative experience that I was like, fuck this, Mm -hmm. but I've been comedy for seven and a half years now. So I think that five years have passed. I can go back and be, but I can do, I'm not, I'm not scared anymore. I mean, not that I was scared, but it's a, it's a big audience. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever. I did Arkansas. I don't have, I've done Cobbs before. And I'm like, I, right. I'm not scared of like, like I'm, it, I it wouldn't, it wouldn't freak me out to have no, like, cause that what happened is they just like walk up to you and go, all right, you're up next. And I was like, oh fuck, it sucks because you don't have an opportunity to get the people, your friends there or have anybody support mm-hmm. you and you're like this is a big deal but there's no one here to see it ah and then, yeah yeah that's... and so like i and i freaked out anyways i didn't i didn't that's why that. every comedian's cover photo on facebook is them at punchline right <laughs> i have like, one here's, here's proof that this happened i yeah. have a picture on my facebook of me doing the punchline from years ago mm-hmm. and i just don't even show it because i'm like ugh, i just didn't i was i wish i would have waited even longer because yeah. now I can go up and I'll be like, yeah, good. I, you know, I can start doing it again. And I'm funny right, enough that right. they might want me back. Although Very now true. my reputation precedes me as a terrible person. So maybe not, but you have a sparkly clean, like it's anyone I've ever talked to. Like I've never heard a negative word about you. Like oh, nice. that you're no, that you're funny. That's important that you're like, no one's ever been like, oh, fuck Anthony's car. I've never heard that. Like, you're just a personable, cool guy who also, I've never seen you not have a, I've never seen you had a bad set. I've never seen you and gone like, oh, God. Like, yeah, it, I've been, I've been very either lucky or been able to, you know, um, I've been, that's one of the things I've always tried to do is just at least consistent at like a, a six out of 10 at the lowest, <laughs> you know, like, like right no one remembers you sucking yeah yeah i've seen you do great though i mean and if you've had the opportunity to do great and you do great in it so right uh, yeah yeah, the pressure doesn't affect you that's great you're still funny you're like get it done and also it's yeah it's it's important to be able to um realize like oh this especially during like a 10 or 15 that maybe is not going so well in the beginning that Oh, okay. I can I can turn this around, but okay. I have to. I got to do something. Yeah. Um, I did at the at the Gold Lounge. I I like did terribly for eight minutes, and then when he gave me after Gold Lounge is that uh, the strip club? 
No, that's that, a gold That's Club. over on uh, Broadway. Oh, in uh, Oakland. Yeah, that's okay, the okay, one okay, with okay, uh, Larry Dorsey. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I did, I was doing 10 minutes. I did eight minutes of just like barely getting anything. And then when he gave me the light, I was like, good. Like, I just like said good. And then that got like a big laugh. And then I was able to coast on that for two minutes. And so that one, that one was like a five. Yeah, like, but like, that, it doesn't, it's what they remember. That's the thing. It's not how you started. Right, it's how right. you end. They're not going to remember. What they will remember is that guy was kind of shitty in the beginning. And then, wow, he was funny. But they aren't going to like, they're going to judge you by what you remember, what they remember. And it's usually, you know, it's the end of your set. That's like right. the last yeah. thing they, that they remember. Yeah. You could, but that's a good thing to learn. You can always bring it back. One thing I learned from Natasha Muse, because you mentioned her. Mm-hmm. I saw her do a set at the Punchline years and years ago. And she opened up with um, her gender non-binary situation. And someone in the audience went, said something. They said a sentence like, they answered it funny, like, really? They said it in a funny way. And then she did 10 minutes saying whatever they said over and over again with different inflections and like repeating it and looking at people and doing stuff but that was it like and I just it blew my mind I was like you had a I think that she knew how to set when she went up there but it, she abandoned her set and went with this crowd work thing and did it for 10 minutes and and it was hilarious That's and I was awesome. like okay. I was just like wow that was the moment where I like ding I was like, oh, okay. Now I now I get it when people like have and she's actually just finished filming something for Showtime or something awesome. And I, it's like oh, it's yeah, about time for, yeah. for the world to be like, Natasha Muse, you're a badass. Yeah, like, I think she's gonna do uh, something with uh, two Bill Queens. I know she did that in the past, but she said on Facebook it was like something else with two Bill Queens, which is awesome. She's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe that was something that because. Uh, um, I watch, I watch, this is the nerdiest thing I get, but I watch a lot of battle rap, um, which is like rap battling two, two men rhyming about how they're going to kill each other. Basically, <laughs> that's all it is. Um, but yeah. And so, but, but a cool thing that one of them does is that he'll, he'll have like what he's written before the rhymes and all that stuff, but then he'll freestyle something that also rhymes with uh, what he's written. Mm. So it looks like the whole thing is freestyled, which as an audience member, you're like, Oh my God, he's coming up with all of this. So maybe Natasha had something written that worked well with that crowd work, and that's how she was able to carry it, carry it on. And then, as an audience member, you're like, "Oh my God, this is all improvised!" Right? And yeah, because the veil has not been lifted. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing too. People don't realize that stand-up comedians do all this practice, and there's open mics, and that even before you decide to do comedy, even before I decided to do comedy. I used to practice stories and lines at myself in the mirror because I was going to a bar and I was going to meet people or I was going to a party and I was going to try to impress people. Mm-hmm. But I don't tell them, yeah, I practiced all my... People think I'm witty and fun and cute. And that's because I practice my fucking dialogue, you know? Right. Well, I mean, even normal people do that yeah. in, in the way that they tell a story. They'll leave out the fact that the nothing happened on the Uber over there. I don't have to mention... The, anything about the car ride to wherever I'm going, I can just you know jump cut to. Sure. I was at I was at this place. Yeah, so Witty it's story. Yeah, that's like pre. Witty banter. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, that's also the the funny thing about people mentioning that, like, the re- very religious people mentioning that the New Testament fits in so well with the Old Testament, and it's like, yeah, well, it was written after. Of course, yeah, it's like the second Lord of the Rings just matches up so well with the first Isn't one. Isn't that yeah. funny how they're it's, in the same land like the, and the same things? Yeah, new and new and old, new and old. Yeah, uh, I I don't really think that the New Testament jives at all with the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is about a vengeful, jealous God. And the New Testament is about a loving, caring, sacrificial God that wants you to still remember the old mean God that can smite you and strike you down like the, like the Jericho, like the walls of Jericho. God was like a, a dad that stopped drinking in between the New and or the Old and New Testament. Exactly. He was just like, I'm sober now, but remember? Remember, remember when I used to beat you up? Remember yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember me raining fire down on your entire thing? Remember, remember the plagues, bitch? You remember? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Killing firstborns. What, what? <laughs> mean, mean God. And then it's like, everybody well and jesus was a total um it's really interesting because the the new test there's this really great thing that happens in the book of acts in the new testament and it's where you see um socialism turn to fascism like really quickly Mm -hmm. and it's they decide the church is all together jesus has gone up to heaven everybody has accepted the holy spirits come down they speak in tongues and they're like blah 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 let's tell to the world and jesus christ and so they start the church and Peter is there and everybody's there and they say everybody has to give everything to the church and then we're going to take care of everybody and everybody goes oh, okay socialism I love it it's great blah, blah, blah. and then this one guy and his wife oh they sold a piece of land but they kept a little money for themselves they said oh this is, we're not going to tell the church about this land we're not going to do that so the church calls in the man and says hey bro did you steal that piece of land sell that piece of land and not give us the money and he went no and then god struck him down and they carried him out and they buried him was that god or was that them did did socialism turn to fascism like boom but then they follow it up uh husband's dead he's out he's buried in the back whatever they bring in the wife hey wife lady how you doing it's good stuff hey did you guys sell that piece of land you could just tell us you know if you want you could tell us or whatever and she also says no and then they strike her well God struck her down and they carry her out and they bury her in a different place, not next to her husband, because now you know that bond has no meaning. But it's like socialism to fascism so fast. And I love that part of the Bible. And that's in the New Testament too. And so yeah. what does that say? Was that say socialism's bad or how I I don't even know how I don't even know how pastors can interpret the Bible now and and like attune it to our social mores i just don't even know how it can be used as an instructive piece of literature that's why the current pope is just like D- i don't know D- I, d- I don't know man like I, if atheists can go to heaven yeah sure condoms great use them awesome please yeah and then uh, the couple of other things like he said um uh yeah he's definitely like the even though he looks like the um the evil cult leader from Game of Thrones or whatever the most recent <laughs> seasons, uh, the, the high, the the high septum or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah but the, yeah, the current Pope has gotten a lot of people, uh, a lot of people probably angry cause he's like, yeah, be gay. Sure. Like he's just all very laid back. And then the yeah. last guy just quit. Right. Was that the guy Wasn't that just resigned? 
from Brazil? Wasn't he the Pope for a minute? I thought I don't. I can't keep up with. I can't keep up. I with feel like I would have seen more world. people, more like Christians, be angry at that. <laughs> that <laughs> like if that a was, black pope, yeah, yeah. There, there might have been. There might have been more. Yeah, more riots. Yeah, I'm just. I could been. be just making things up. I don't know. Does uh, the Pope? So do you think? Does the Catholic Church still have? I mean, I guess they have relevance because they have a lot of money. But, I mean, do you think that the Pope has sort of still a dominion over this world, or is that? If we is it gone by the not as much as way back, way back in history, yeah. um, for sure. Ooh. It's kind of like the the royal family. The pub was kind of like the English royal family. It's like they they're they're yeah. there. Yeah. They have a lot of money. They kind of got their own thing going on. But right. now they're just like fan celebrities that fanboys can be like, oh, Prince Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I think uh, <laughs> in Italy, like the Vatican is like a cool like place it's got its own swiss guards and everything and right. um but i mean they they have they have spears like uh, yeah and um but anyway uh yeah see this is what this is what happens when i when i smoke yeah. I, but yeah anyway we uh, can go any i mean that's the whole thing about this podcast though we can go in any direction and switch channels whenever you want it doesn't good. matter it doesn't the, the audience knows that it's it, we can go anywhere. We haven't even talked about abortion yet. <laughs> we oh, haven't talked about abortion. There, there you go. No, we don't. We uh, just—it's just about. I mean, it's—it's it's like, and we literally we haven't really gotten to the place of like what you believe in now. I mean, you're not Catholic anymore, right? No, no. I I I'm kind of. Uh, uh, I'm I'm atheist, but I that's just the best word that describes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of am just, uh, you believe in higher powers or a higher power? Not, qu- not quite. Um, I, I think that, uh, growing up Catholic, it gave me a good sense of, uh, I like, I took the morality from it, uh-huh. which is, which is, I mean, it has a Don't lot be of a serial killer, right? It has a lot of good teachings in that way. It's, uh, it's weird that, uh, there's no sexual assault in the 10 commandments like that. I think that would be one of the, the big ones. Uh, well, is there something no, on it? It's don't cheat on your wife or whatever. No, no, it's don't covet each your don't neighbor's goods. Don't cover your oh right, because, is, like, and a wife is your wife part was of the, part, part of your neighbor's goods. goods. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. you own the women. Um, sure. I love yeah. I love Bill Burr's joke about that, which is like, uh, um, uh, don't touch my bike. That's my wife. Like, that's, <laughs> that's that's essentially the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right, is, right. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the, um, the morality of it. Yeah, yeah, the morality of it. Like treat other people how you'd like to be treated. Uh, f- forgiveness um you know forgiveness within reason um and except for the eye for the eye eye for an eye thing it's like eye for an eye tooth for tooth except jesus negated it later he said uh not deny an eye tooth for tooth but turn the other cheek yeah yeah which is that that's that's some that's some bitch shit right Don't (laughs) don't don't turn the other cheek like that's yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't make too much. Well, Jesus also said um, the something like the uh, any the guy who doesn't believe in me, I'll turn him into sticks and throw him in the fire or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, he he was not. Um, oh, and all, my favorite thing about nowadays is all the all the Republicans that are for you know they're they're Christians, they're diehard Christians and all that stuff, yeah. but they love wealth more than anything. Right. They they love they hate the poor people. Right. And outsiders. Yeah. Sure. And it's just how how do you work your minds uh, do the gymnastics around Jesus who hated material possessions 
and championed the lower classes, the disabled, all that stuff. Yeah. And then now you, your whole life is around that yet. It doesn't. It's yeah. amazing. So it's the, probably just a show. The cognitive dissonance that, that we can have, well, that they're experienced. Like they're just not even acknowledging. Right. Maybe. The the hypocrisy yes. of them going hypocrisy. to church every Sunday and, you know, yeah. And then, and then signing laws that are against poor people. Exactly. The week. Yeah. Yes. And stepping, there was a, my parents are still very, very religious, and my father likes to send me emails that are have a super Republican slant or that are, you know, against the rampant liberalism of San Francisco. And he sends me these these articles because he's funny because my father has a sense of humor and he's trying to sort of get me and he thinks oh, it's okay. cute. But one of them was great. It was, and I just thought it was so funny because I broke it down. It was basically about how there's shit all over the street in San Francisco and how unbelievable it was. This man came in from Walnut Creek to have a business meeting and there was feces on the street and the rampant poverty and people living on the street. He was so, he was so upset. He couldn't understand how the people of San Francisco just let this happen. So he went into McDonald's and he got $25 of gift certificates and he gave it to people on the street. And I'm sitting, I'm like, Okay, Dad, it's so funny that you send me this because I know that you're sending it to me because you're making a point about the poop on the street. But what I'm getting out of it is, like, the entitlement of, like, asshole people that come in from Walnut Creek and our city isn't our city isn't clean enough. Like, you, you're all... You, there's as many people live on your block as live in... More people live in my apartment building than people that live on your block. Yeah, yeah. And they're... And, that's and and the garbage trucks go do 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 down my streets of my you know pretty little thing and my the Me- Mexicans coming in doing my grass but don't do the it's like all that hypocrisy is crazy to me mm-hmm. and that then he writes some article that says I'm a better person because I gave out twenty five dollars of McDonald's gift certificates. In a way, that's just going to create more shit on the street because you're giving a bunch of homeless people McDonald's. Crappy food. Yeah. 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 And just so funny. And homeless people say some of the most amazing things. Like as like as comedians, they even if we don't use them in our act, they just they I'm sure they make all of us happy when we hear them. Uh, um, the perspective. I live in the Tenderloin. Do you live? You live in Oakland, Tenderloin. Where are you? Uh, I live over in Excelsior, oh, okay. over off uh, Geneva and Mission. So uh, you don't have you don't have too many of the questionably housed. I mean, there. My neighborhood is. We like, have the same like fifteen. Like, oh. Yeah, like that that sh- hang around there. There's the I'm God guy, mm. which is perfect to talk about here. But yeah, yeah, perfect. He stands on street corners and he just goes. Uh, you're not God, I'm God, over and over. And then uh, I'm inclined to believe him because yeah. I've, I've seen Bruce Almighty. Sure. Yeah, God was homeless in that movie. Um, wasn't yeah. Wasn't God uh, um, Morgan Freeman, though? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he was, a, he was a homeless, he disguised himself as a homeless guy. Um, um, what if God was one of us? Um, <laughs> Just a homeless man on a bus. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and then uh, I had another one that uh, he asked me for a cigarette, and I was like, oh, sorry, um, I left mine inside. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then he asked for my jacket, and I'm like, okay, that's that's quite a step up. And then another one asked me for a cigarette, and I was like, uh, oh, um, sorry, I don't have any, just this one. Um, and he's like, uh, do you want a chihuahua? And I was like, oh, oh. and also he didn't have a chihuahua. So I was, I was wondering how that transaction was going to go down. Um, 
And then my favorite one was a uh, I I kind of cut a homeless guy off. You know how you kind of like have to like just step around someone. You're doing sidewalk like politics, yeah. Right, right. And um uh and then he he was just like, "Hey." And I turned around and looked at him and he's like, "You're lucky I'm not real or else I'd fuck you up." <laughs> and it was just like the the anger and the drugs mixing together for that <laughs> sentence. Like, "You're lucky I'm just a figment of your imagination or else I'll like, kick your ass." Like That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So in my neighborhood, we've got um, one guy, we call him fuck my life because at like three in the morning, he looks at himself in the reflection of a closed expensive bar on Geary and he yells, fuck my life. <laughs> fuck my life. <laughs> so he screaming, wakes me up. I'm like, oh, it's fuck my life again. Or he screams, fuck you, but not to random people, to his own reflection. Oh man. So he screams, fuck you. You! And he's like, I feel like, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a, a, exactly what if cats could talk when they see their reflection in the mirror and just like, fuck you, bitch. Like, yeah, that's, damn, that's, he's, that's some unpacking that's yeah, kind of going on in it's, there. Yeah. It's, um, it's some amazing stuff. But we name the, there was a lady across the street. So I live across the street from Osha Thai and they have this, they're open until three, which is lovely in the morning, but they have this little alcovey thing. And it has glass, it's all glass windows, but they have a little alcovey thing. And this lady was sleeping in a sleeping bag there and they open at 11 o'clock AM. So it's like 11.30 and they must have called the police or something cause she was still in the alcove. People are eating, people are sitting there against the window and she's still sleeping there. And the police come by and they honk their horn and she gets up and she has no clothes on. She's completely naked underneath this, underneath this sleeping bag. And she's like, it's Saturday. We can sleep. <laughs> and they're like, no. So then she's like walking up and down the street all naked like, I don't understand when I get to sleep. It's Saturday. We get to sleep. And, and they're like trying to help her get. So they get her back sort of her sleeping bags around her. And she was like screaming. But all the people in like the restaurant all bring their phones out and they're all mm, videotaping. Yeah. And like all the people on the street, the French tourists are like, oh, the tourists, you know, we take the photo. <laughs> And it's, I mean, I don't know, San Francisco, can't we like have some compassion and take care of some people because, or is it part of our economy? Are people coming here now? Cause they're like, San Francisco is a crazy place. Well, the homeless people are nuts and we just go around and take pictures of them and there they are. Oh, it's crazy. We are socialist French people. This would never happen. That must be part, definitely part <laughs> of it too. Like I've, I've definitely seen some tourists do the, uh, they, they do the game in their heads where they're, they want to look at the crackhead to make sure that they're safe. Oh, uh huh. But they also don't want to stare too long at the crackhead too. So they get in this weird like mode like of just kind of you know moving the head back and forth. Mm. And then that's my favorite. You know, with the sweater tied around the neck. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. The uh, pearl set. <gasps> this happened to me. This is very funny. I was walking. I walk a lot in the Tenderloin, and I don't have a problem with it. But these two women, we were deep. We were like Eddie and mm. Hyde, pretty deep oh, yeah. in there. Yeah, and these two ladies in sweater sets with pearls come up to me, and they're like, "Hi." Is there a is there like a little cafe around here we can get a cup of coffee? Is there anything like cute and local? And I'm like, 
Ladies, you're in the tenderloin. Like, nothing is cute and local. Here's we're what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to get on the Powell cable car. You're going to take a selfie, and then you'll be in North Beach. And then, there you go. Yeah, you don't. I don't know how you messed it up. I don't know why you're here. Yeah. I sent them, though, to um, Brenda's. Mm-hmm. I was like, get some beignets. I'm sure they have coffee with chicory in it. Their beignets are really good. And, you know, and you'll spend 25 bucks on coffee and beignets. Go, 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 go. <laughs> That's where you go. And then when you're done, just walk down to the Civic Center or the, the, the City Hall, whatever you want to see. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why. That would have that been great if you just sent them to probably just to Mason and Turk or just like further, <laughs> further in and just, yeah. Oh, I sent them out a- to Larkin. I sent them to, I sent them one over. I sent them to Larkin and it. Oh, okay. And I was yeah. like, That's Brenda's nice is there. It's a nice place. It's very gentrified it's you're gonna be fine it's next to the kfc just go past that 19 polk stop don't worry about it turn the corner you're fine fine don't worry about it at the uh i love that kfc though that kfc oh yeah taco bell at that corner it is it is rife with humanity yeah like that amazing feel woods joke which is um uh uh, the living in San Francisco is so expensive that KFC had to get a roommate. <laughs> that one, that that that's one of those jokes that was like in front of all of us, yeah. but like he he saw it first. Um, uh, but yeah, the uh, that the escape room I work at is in between uh, six and seven. Okay. Um, and so uh, <laughs> there's a yeah, so there's a there's a lot that's going on in between six and like tenth. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get to tenth, the Twitter market is over there, and then like once you right. get below fifth, that's kind of the touristy right, area. Right, that's the Embarcadero. There's, you got the fifth has got Powell cable car. Yeah, but Union in between sixth and ninth, that's yes. where a lot of it. And so yes. uh, we've had multiple times the people that have come to our escape room have showed us that the concierge at their hotel, at the Palace Hotel or wherever they stayed, yeah, yeah. has drawn a red line in a box around 6th, 7th, and 8th. Wow. Like, Don't go here. Right. And, wow. Which is, which is crazy because, I mean, there's a lot of them there, but it's not that bad. You I mean, know, they don't and there's really... some great shit there. There's that flying falafel oh, that's great. there yeah, that may make their own pita bread, mm-hmm. and that's like between 6th and 7th. Yeah, yeah. And there's OMG. OMG. Yeah, there's OMG on Sixth Street. Across yeah. the street from there, there's Toulon, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Dottie's is there now, so things aren't that terrible. I mean, it moved from a different part of the Tenderloin. But right, right. Um, why are we scared of poor people? I don't. Not me. I'm not. I'm a right, poor person. No, I'm no, not scared. Yeah. But like, we as like a maybe be I don't know because capitalism or something, and that's the worst. That's anti-capitalism is being poor. Because anyone who embraces capitalism obviously would become rich. Therefore, well, maybe it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's because they're in, uh, they're in like a survival mode, mm. and we're kind of not. If you're doing, you know, middle middle class or maybe even like poverty line and above, you're 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 not necessarily doing well, but you're not struggling on the level that they are, sure. uh, the homeless people. And they're in like a survival kind of mode. How would a group of homeless people do in the escape room? Would they do it okay? Like, oh, so man. would they be, would they be successful? Let's, I mean, are the people that you escape they, room, they, are they successful? Like, I, it, I mean, is it hard to get out? Like I had to explain to somebody what an escape room was the other day. My boyfriend was like, why don't, what is these escape? All the comedians, they work at escape. What does that mean? And I'm like, what do you, what? okay. Well, I know why a lot of comedians <laughs> work at escape rooms is because the, while a group is in there, there's 
not I mean you're watching them and you're paying attention but you can write you can uh, you can do a lot of like you can get a lot of work done while sorry if my bosses are listening to this but <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah that you can get a lot of work done while they're figuring their shit yeah, out yeah yeah because you kind of know where they're at and stuff like that you can figure uh, out how stupid they are when they walk in you oh, know how yeah. long it's going to take them oh, yeah. to figure out tasks abc i mean we have a we have a buzzer on our door um, like a like a call box, right. and people can't even figure that out most, <laughs> most of the time. Is that to ask for like hints, like help me? That thing, and then you come out and go, hey, I can give you a hint. Uh, luckily, I don't have to go into the room for that. Like, I could just uh, just like a mic like this, just press the button. Oh, and go, uh, hey, look over there. Um, but yeah, and then turn it off and be like, this these people are dumb as hell. Because <laughs> yeah. we have a we have a lot of people that are just all common sense kind of goes out the window when you get into an escape room. You think everything is like a puzzle. Uh. Um, but yeah, and then um, yeah, uh, but I, escape rooms were made so that white people could feel like they had to they could pay to feel like they had to flee something or like escape <laughs> from something. You know, like it's no, there it's it's good. It's a good it's a good job for a comedian to have for sure. But um, how are you, are you realizing when you're watching people how stupid they are? Is this like affirming most, or disaffir- most disaffirming? Most of the time, yeah, most of the time. Because your faith in humanity is not being bolstered. No, no, definitely not, definitely not. Especially in the terms of doing simple math. <gasps> like there's there's simple math in some of the rooms where you have to 